Uh, a lot of people are scared. Are robots coming for our jobs? Uh, but a lot of people are seizing the opportunity and a lot of people are moving with the times. Okay, welcome to another episode of Be an Awesome GP. Today we are very excited to be sitting down with Andrew Mellor, Director at Healthy Team. Today we're going to be getting into a few things, but we are really excited to talk about artificial intelligence, which is being talked about as the fourth, one of the great productivity revolutions up there with steam power, electricity, and part of the new revolution in the workforce. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. It's great to be here. So I think if you could just give us a brief overview, give us your one minute spiel on what you do, who you are and where you're coming to us from. Yeah. Yep. So I love like I, I think work is a wonderful place for people to uh, discover more about themselves and uh, how they um, how they tick and what they love to create, what they love to do. Um, but it can also be a, a place where people get really crushed and uh, destroyed. And uh, and so I love to see workplaces become healthy for one of a, uh, you know, a really simple word, uh, but do that on two sides. One, I guess the interaction between um, leaders and teams and thinking through that at a, at a really human level um, and helping leaders um, really align um, work to be, to be both motivating and engaging for, for staff. Um, but then on the other side, um, really creating clear systems um, because uh, while systems can seem really rigid and not very human, um, they actually help humans thrive, particularly when people are clear about what they need to do and uh, and what um, contributes to the organisation as a whole. So, um, so yeah, really mapping out clear systems, um, but then also really working on the human interaction side uh, and um, and creating that health within within organisations. So I had a look at your website uh, the other day and you've got this really good outline and you've got these things called dysfunction statements. And um, one of them I really like is that's how we've always done it. So that's how we're always going to do it, which I think really ties nicely into the artificial intelligence debate. And it's coming. It's here. Uh, mm. It's going to be more here in the next few months. But uh, a lot of people are scared. Are robots coming for our jobs? Uh, but a lot of people are seizing the opportunity and a lot of people are moving with the times. Give me an idea. Have you been working with anyone on artificial intelligence? Do you have a program set up to help people join the AI revolution? Where are you coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I think, uh, well, it was really the beginning of this year, um, probably around February, that um, that much more in the mainstream, people started to see a way. Like, what is going on here? Um, uh, computers are, are doing creative tasks. That's what it at least seems like. And um, ultimately... Um, the AI we're seeing now is still largely predictive. It's 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 mm -hmm. not necessarily working exactly the same way our brains work. But you know, mm -hmm. you're the GP here, Chris. There's some argument that our brains are really amazing prediction machines as well. So, so it is. You know, AI is now doing things that <clears throat> previously, yeah, we we've thought of computers primarily as computational, um, and that's and that's really. Um, their forte, and and we expect perfection, right? So if you we do. use a if you use a calculator, we expect it to uh, give us perfect mathematical uh, computation. Um, whereas now what we've got are um, these, I guess, uh, predictive um, large language models that are interacting with like natural language. So we can just type something in normal English and it's interacting with that. Uh, and um, in doing so, we're not actually getting the same per perfection 
that I think we're used to in computers, but we're getting um, what appears to be creativity um, or generative generative AI is the term. And, and so that's really been making waves. Um, and I think what's confusing for people is it's, uh, it's hard to tell what's just novel and what's sort of just like, oh, wow, I can do this, but what's the use case? Uh, what's, what's the use of it um, versus, oh, we can really see how this, um, how this can be deployed. And, and here's the big thing, the, the, the manufacturers of these tools, um, they're learning as they go along as well. And so, um, so really the best way, I think, to, to get an understanding of how AI could be useful in your everyday life, particularly at work, is to start playing around with it and using it. But don't expect that sort of perfection. There's no instruction manual that says this is exactly how you use this tool. You've kind of got to just work alongside it and and start to learn for yourself oh yeah it does this well it doesn't do that very well because we, we played around with some low level stuff we played around with uh, using ai to generate uh, blog articles or generate optimal templates for advertising or sms campaigns there's a lot of ai programs out there that are being introduced in like, what they're calling narrow ai focus or mm. uh, relatively narrow uh, focus those have potential. There were some concerns about privacy, about who's regulating, and there's also some concerns about uh, how how are they learning? Do we see the whole process as it goes through? And finally, there was a little bit of concern about the data it's pulling from, and you know, is it extracting true data? Is it data that's slightly biased in terms of certain subgroups of population? But all of these things are learning, and all of these things can be fixed. In terms of AI and where to start, do you have any suggestions, anything you recommended to people? Yeah, I think, well, right now, I, I recommend if if they're serious about wanting to uh, learn to be a collaborator with AI in the workplace, which is where things are going, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's yeah, happening, it's coming. Absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, fast forward a year, um, what you termed those narrow, um, applications, they're going to become more and more common. So uh, there's going to be um, uh, applications that have been designed specifically, for instance, for GPs, uh, and um, they're going to address the needs of GPs, obviously the privacy concerns being a, a huge one, um, but they're going to be trained um, even more specifically on obviously uh, medical language and um, and an understanding of um the common kind of uh, ways that GPs interact with different stakeholders, whether it's um, the patients referring to other um, clinicians um, uh, and those sorts of things. So um, those are going to become more and more common. But interestingly, I think those narrow applications, they're, they're going to be uh, black boxes um, to a large degree. Mm. You know, the, mm. the way they operate um, isn't going to be entirely clear and, and, um, I think the best way to become confident um, working with AI is to, is to, like I said, start using it now um, and understand that, no, like it, it can help me think better. It can help me think more maybe comprehensively. That's one of its great strengths. It knows about a lot more things than we do um, mm. because of it, it is a, you know, a computer. It's got um, a huge amounts of uh, data storage, but um, it doesn't uh, necessarily process things the way we would expect um, or think about stakeholders the way we would expect. Um, partly that's because it's still relying on an interaction with a human to give it this scope and give it the context that it needs. So again, it's it's a really collaborative thing. So I would recommend 
um, investing the money in uh, ChatGPT4 right now, which is uh, known as mm -hmm. ChatGPT Plus. Um, it's like $20 US a month, um, even if you only do it for a month, um, to, to play around with it and start interacting um, with it. So, for example, one thing I recommend to business owners uh, or, or, or business leaders is to start using it to cover blind spots. For example, um, mm. you through a particular um, problem you're having, and before you talk to staff, um, you actually bounce around with the AI and ask it to poke holes in your hypothesis or, or your, your, your idea. And um, is it going to be right? No, but you and it together, you're probably going to get a more expansive kind of uh, view of the thing that you're trying to deal with or the, the problem you're trying to grapple with. Um, and I think that's cool. You know, um, that's a very different approach to saying, hey, I've got this problem, solve it for me. And then you're going to, yeah. maybe it'll do all right, but maybe it'll give you a really silly idea, you know? Um, so, yeah. And I think it's all in the interpretation. Some of the, some of the programs I've been looking at for practice software, they generate some ideas or things you could have done better at the end of the consultation, which is very interesting. You still got to apply that lens of the human lens to it, but it does offer solutions and you can ask it just about anything. Like I had a play around before this, I, I have a Jasper subscription and I had a play around with, you know, it writing blog articles. I have a subscription to mid journey and I asked it to draw me up a doctor's office that I could use as a background for this interview. And is that it very nicely? That's yeah. it. It's, yeah. Very nice. Uh, very nice. So it's all coming. And I guess from my point of view, I initially came to AI from a background of what it's doing in the writing industry. And that was where I sort of trained myself. And then I'm now what's a relatively low stakes game for me in the writing industry. I'm using that to apply to medicine. Mm. So it, it is very exciting. It is all coming and people are using it. There are still some legal concerns, but. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine, Chris, like for something. So obviously, you know, your um, the key value you're creating for, for a patient, for example, is in that interaction and then obviously that guidance. Um, but then, you know, post uh, a consultation, um, you, you can, you, you know, you write notes, for example. Um, <laughs> now, those notes, um, I, I imagine, you know, they need to be repurposed for, for different contexts. So, for example, you've got something oh, yeah. for a patient, you've got something for um, uh, allied health worker that they're engaged with, and physio, for example. Um, and, and one thing I think is a really legitimate productivity gain uh, that, that um, for instance, GPs could benefit from is, the speed of repurposing it's like the gp's still done the the hard work of of diagnosis you know um uh really getting a, a complete understanding of the picture for the patient um but they can go from their shorthand of that um to then repurposing that um that's still all their work but it's it's a repurpose that is uh directly you know aimed at a particular audience whether it's a patient or some other stakeholder and i, I think gee that's that's helpful. You know, that's, that, that's gotta be a good thing. It is helpful. And that's, that's what you talk to doctors about is the one thing they will always say they don't have enough is time. So they always want to spend more time with their patients. If you can shave a minute or two off your consult by having something else, write your notes, that's, that adds up a lot over time. If you can get that reflection in from chat GPT or an alternative program saying, Hey, did you think about this? That saves you time on CPD in the long run. So it's all mm. it's all very useful if you use it in the right context. There's I think the language 
is really important there too because right away like you said if it can if it can write your notes and for someone who's an outsider uh to the medical uh, industry they might mean write your notes what you're going to get you know yeah. you're going to get chat gpt to write my um write my diagnosis for me or something like that but that's not it is it i mean it's it's there's a difference between yeah like can you take take me through that like what is when you say write my notes take me through the workflow and where does ai sit in the workflow from your from where you stand yeah so i mean i'm not using it in my consult room no, day to day a bit of risk assessment but hypothetical, the hypothetical uh, you can send a patient to have their notes recorded via a microphone you then are required to store some part of that you write it down at the end of the consult traditionally or during the consult traditionally as a doctor instead it listens to what you're saying it synthesizes it it generates a series of notes uh, much like dictation software where it really comes together nicely is that it synthesizes it and then uh, captures the most pertinent elements so it doesn't just write down everything it writes down a synthesis of what's going on, a management plan, and then suggest some further options that could be considered if you hadn't already considered them. Mm. So, you know, potential. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, um, yeah, you're having you're having this uh, assistant uh, in the room um, there as well. That yeah. um, ideally, you know, the the confidentiality side of it is all taken care of, and. And so you've got this robotic assistant who who takes everything that's going on and 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 packages it up neatly. Obviously, you've got the final sign off on it all, but um, oh, yeah, that's uh, that seems like a wonderful. Hopefully, for a long time. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think there there is a there's a really nice line in the G20 AI dialogue, and it talks about the fact that high expectations need to be managed, but potential remains. And I think. Mm. Everyone has this high expectation that in the next year, a robot will be able to sit down and, and treat someone and shave all these sort of extra costs off the health system. And it's, it's not going to be that straightforward, but it, we will see hopefully efficiencies in a system that traditionally does have some waste and expenditure. And that's not waste necessarily on hardworking health professionals. That is waste in terms of bureaucracy and administrative costs and uh, inefficiencies in the system that can be addressed mm, yeah no absolutely absolutely and and actually going back to something you said earlier as well like you know the potential biases and i think that's a real challenge you know and and <laughs> and and that's why we need to be really you know have our ears perked up and or in this case i guess our eyes you know as we um as we read the output for example uh, for something we might be using or interacting at with a with ai um, but I mean, interestingly, I mean, as humans, we have biases, right? Uh, as, oh, for sure. That's yeah. You can go so, so deep into cognitive biases, anchor biases, and, and you've seen, like, I've seen people as a doctor who get locked on a diagnosis and, and they miss something because they've anchored their whole way of thinking around it. Uh, that's you right. go, like, I, we won't dig into type one and type two decision making and all of that jazz, but yep the human being is far from a perfect machine exactly i I mean one of the most extreme um discussions i heard about this and i'm not sure that i agree with it but you know the the killer robot um eventuation you know the terminator 2 kind of kind of Mm. situation Mm. where um you've got both um very complex robots but with ai um inbuilt as well so that they're making decisions and, and that potentially wars could be fought with with robotic um, robotic uh, warfare um, controlled by AI instead of humans, and yeah, that that's pretty freaky to think about. 
Um, but this guy was arguing, you know, I, I would, I would, um, I would trust, I would have more trust in a, in a robot that is, um, uh, you know, conditioned, it has AI conditioning um, that, uh, that we trust. Um, and he's going to have a more cool head in the heat of war than, than, a, than a human. And, and, you know, to some extent, it's like, okay, yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, I still didn't feel super comfortable <laughs> with that idea, but, but it really illustrated the point. It's like, oh, yeah, no, humans make terrible decisions um, as well. Um, so the fact that it doesn't yeah. get things right 100% of the time um, doesn't, yeah, doesn't, doesn't exclude it. Um, although I think we find something a little terrifying about when, it, when a robot doesn't get it right. I think it comes back to this thing of we expect that computational perfection from our, from our computers. And we do. And like, you know me, I trust in Arnie. So if Terminator happens, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> still got our back. But yeah, exactly. a lot of medicine is not rational. You know, when people are sick and unwell, they're not always thinking rationally and, and we don't expect them to be. So part of the AI revolution will be how do you integrate that and how do you how do you teach a computer? Sometimes people don't think logically that you need to account for that in your decision making process. And that's going to take that's going to take years. You know, doctors who use AI will still be around for a very long time. And although we should learn about it, there's no need to fear, I feel, at this stage. Yeah. Um, tell me more about you, Andrew. So if people want to get in touch with you or people want to look up your company, how do they find yeah. you? Where are you yep, healthyteam.com.au. Um, and on there, um, sort of the lead is, is all about team engagement and um, helping organisations in that space. Uh, but you can you can also find some stuff there. I've got a newsletter um, that helps you interact with um, with AI and get really just get used to it and uh, get ready for things like um, Microsoft should be rolling out their enterprise AI. So if you work somewhere that uses Office three six five, utilizing AI is going to become normal uh, for most organisations because. Microsoft is putting a lot of emphasis on the security of of that. Obviously, that's absolutely vital for any um, any organization, particularly global ones that depend on the whole Office 365 environment. So, um, so yeah, th that whole newsletter is to help. Um, it's really pitched at executives, but it's to help anybody who considers themselves, I guess, a leader in their workplace, uh, become familiar with AI so they don't feel like they're um, sort of excluded from the discussion or they're faking it or anything like that. They can actually feel like, oh, I've got real-world experience um, utilizing AI. So anyway, if you... Go to the AI header um, up there. You can you can sign up to that uh, newsletter. And I think you're somebody who really sort of gets what doctors need. There's, you know, you, I met you through um, our mutual wives uh, when they get together for the for the uh, for their doctor group chats. Yes, but uh, you, you get it. You know, you're married to a doctor. You interact with doctors very frequently. Oh, I, I actually you understand I, the system. Absolutely. I, I did a little talk, which was more on um, well-being um, at the children's hospital um, to some pediatricians at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And um, I, I, to be honest, I'm not sure how much they got out of my talk. Uh, but when I talked about um, AI, and this was in February, and just that I'd um, played around a little bit and um, some hypothetical patient notes um and and just how well it did um, actually um, transcribing them into something for um, a GP. Um, now it was all hypothetical, but it it was it was pretty impressive. And and their eyes just lit up. Their eyes just lit up because I mean, um, yeah, our our health professionals are 
very, very, yeah, time poor. And, um, you know, again, they're creating the best value when they're face to face with their, with their patients. And that's, um, that's hard because, uh, yeah, that, that, that face to face time just gets squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, um, particularly by the, um, bureaucracy, which I'm not saying, you know, is all bad, but you know, it's a big part of hospitals and, and, and another health uh, setting. So, yeah. All right, Andrew, I have to go research what kind of capsule and cream I want to buy. So I will let you run. It has been a pleasure chatting with you. And if anyone wants to find Andrew, you can find him at his website, his social media platform, which is very active and very entertaining. And it's been a pleasure chatting. Likewise, Chris, and, and all the best uh, as fatherhood approaches. Thank you, man. Thanks. Be an awesome GP is targeted at general practitioners in the Australian context. It should not be taken as formal medical advice